finished a series on all things new. And, and we're about to start a series on Jesus. We're going into Easter. Uh, and so the whole month of April, for the four Sundays in April, we're going to talk about Christ. Uh, and there's nothing better to talk about than Jesus Christ. And so, but now we're in between. We kind of like finished there. And Clive did so well talking about new heaven and new earth last week. Remember that? All of you got saved, hey? Do you want to go to the new heaven and new earth and experience it? Well done. It's your first week of being saved. Turn to your neighbor and say, well done. Um, you're saved. <laughs> No, we, we finished that, and, and next week we will go into April and we'll start. So in between is where we are this morning, all right? And, and we're going to talk about gospel partnership. Um, and it's actually so well done for coming at the same Sunday that we're talking about this and it wasn't rehearsed of. But it's, it's from the life of Paul, where Paul introduces us to this beautiful thing called partnering with one another associating with one another. And so we're going to look at um, much of what he says to us. And I want to ask you, first of all, to go to Acts 16 with me as we just pray. Father, we thank you for the beauty of your word again this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will help us to, to receive what needs to be received from you, not from Vesey, but from you, O oh God. And, and so we trust you that, Holy Spirit, you will impart to us what is needed and, and what is required for us to hear this morning by you. Amen. So Acts 16 is Paul and, and a church in a city called Philippi. Uh, and so Paul is on his second missionary journey. How many of you know how many trips did he do? One, two, three, four, five. How many trips did he eventually make? Three. I got three, I got three, I got three, I got three, I got three. Anyone else? Sound good, hey? What did you think, eh, Charles? <laughs> Go on. He's my auctioneer friend who teaches me these things. No, um, there are three trips that he went on, um, and it took him a number of years to actually complete these. But in Acts 16, he starts with his second missionary trip. And so most of the time, he, he left from a place called Antioch, um, up north of Jerusalem. And so he, from there, he left, and he went through what we modern day would know as called Turkey. Uh-huh. I don't even know where Turkey is. You guys, don't just know where Zimbabwe is. You've got to look at the world a bit. So Turkey is up there. And so from Turkey, he experienced something. He was busy ministering to churches there because he had a first missionary trip. And so the second one, he goes back to some of these churches. And, and so as he's busy going through known the world at that time called Asia, he gets this call from God. It says in verse 6, <clears throat> it reads, and they went through the region of Phrygia. Say with me, Phrygia. Some of you didn't say Phrygia. I could hear that. You're like, Phrygia. That's it. And Galatia. I didn't ask you to say that, but you can say it. That's fine. Um, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. How's that? Go out into all the world and make disciples. And then, no, no, don't do it. It's like strange, isn't it? But there's a, there's a reason. Verse 7 says, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, or Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Stop, he said. So passing by Mysia, they went to, down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia. Say with me, Macedonia. Macedonia was standing there, which is modern day Greece. That's it. Modern-day Greece. 
And so this man in a vision said to him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Hence the reason why God was trying to stop them from going into Asia. Eh? There was a call, a Macedonian call, we know. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, say with me, immediately. That means that he immediately obeyed God. How many of you can say that about yourself? You don't have to raise the hand. Huh? I love that. Just there's a lesson in that for us. Immediately. It's not like, but I want to go. There's this beautiful city that we've just been last time. I want to go back there. No, immediately. We sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach, to preach the gospel to them. And so it goes on to what he does in Macedonia. He gets to the city of Philippi in verse 12 of um, chapter 16, and it goes through a beautiful story of how a lady by the name of Lydia <clears throat> comes into the faith, and a church is planted in Philippi. So a little bit of background to just why he writes the letter, which, by the way, the letter to the Philippians, which is why um, it's called Philippians, it was for the people in Philippi, is, is Paul's friendliest letter, they say. So this morning you can relax. It's going to be a friendly message. Turn to your neighbor and say, relax. Right? It's just from Philippi. Ooh, but it's going to challenge you because the word of God is, ooh, but let's not go there now. Philippians chapter 1, <clears throat> Paul says the following. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. How is that to introduce yourself? I love that. Not Paul and Timothy, hey, we're the main, the MMWCs. Have you ever heard of those guys? Never heard of the MMWCs? The main mana would counts. Huh? They're not like that. They're not the main men that count. They, they say, like, we're just servants. I'm not one of those that need to be honored and recognized. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. An amazing thing that he doesn't start off, first of all, by saying, I want to just speak to the leaders. He says, to all of us. All of us are saints, by the way. We're not some leaders and some this. We're all saints, first of all. Eh? And we're not honored as saints, as some people do. We're just normal people, saints, followers of Jesus. And, and there are some leaders, but we're all saints. Okay? It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. <clears throat> Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. How beautiful is this? When Paul brings this concept that's right there in verse 5. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He says, this is, by the way, how partnership looks like. And if we look a little bit before and look further on <clears throat> into the rest of the book, you will find just what Paul means when he says partnering with one another. In actual fact, the, the, the word for partnership is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia, which really means fellowship, participation. 
And so that's really what we are in. We're not in a legal agreement as believers. We're in what Paul calls a kononia, where we fellowship with one another, not just when we meet, let's go to a fellowship. Actually, it's, it's not a gathering. It's a people. It's a people expressing their interest in each other through their interest in God to one another. So we don't, and I understand people call them the churches, whatever, you know, big city fellowship or new life fellowship or whatever it may be. But actually the word fellowship is so much more than just a gathering. Let's go to the fellowship of believers. No, no, I belong to the fellowship of believers. What does that mean? It means that I'm in, I'm in partnership with Clive. What he is is mine. Thank you, Clive. No, no. It's, it's, it's my life is, is, is worked out in fellowship with him. That I learn from him. We learn from each other. We share lives. We serve one another. That's what fellowship is. I don't go serve at a fellowship. I am in fellowship, therefore I serve. Do you understand the difference? So Paul is saying, this is what a participation or a partnership of the gospel is. So you thought this is going to be a friendly letter this morning. It's going to involve your participation to some extent where you're going to have to consider, am I, am I really in partnership or am I just attending? It's easy to attend, ladies and gentlemen. Some battled this morning because of the river in flood. But, but the point is this, that it's easy to attend and to go to gatherings. But it's, it's not so simple to be in fellowship. And that's why people say, well, I don't have to go anywhere. I can just be in fellowship with God and, and with the man on the screen. Yeah, go for it, brother. That's a good word. Oh, let me just pause. I've got to quickly just go to get a cup of coffee. Then I come back to my fellowship. That's not fellowship. It's not a participation. It's just you listening to somebody else. And so let's look at what this partnership or participation that Paul is talking about here looks like and, and what we can learn from it. Are you okay with that? Remember, it's a friendly letter. Smile. Okay. Hope you're going to still smile after all of this. But let's just find a couple of things that, that kind of will help us to see what participation in the gospel means. And actually not could mean. But should mean and should practically be applied. First thing, in verse 2, he says, Grace to you. Oh, actually, from verse 1, it says to all the saints. <laughs> so partnership includes every person. I value every single person. It's not just on a greet. Um, so-and-so in the life of the church, hey, it's when I think of Brendan this morning, and I think of Marianne, and I think of Tom. And No, no, it's, it's to all. So partnership means that, I, that we share our lives with all. Now, we're not going to be able to go into every detail with every person, but we value every person. Each one of you are important. And I'm just on a little bit of an elevated stance here because so that you can see me perhaps. But it, I'm not important. None of us are more important than the other person. We are all carrying the same value. And partnership means that you're not honored above the other. We honor everyone. And each one of you are valuable because you're saints. And if you're not a saint by virtue of you having been born again, we'd love to help you. We don't force people into sainthood. We in invite them into that and say, come and sit and participate 
and learn what it means to be in fellowship with one another. That is the important thing. And so the second thing, it's in verse 3. It says, I thank God when I think of you. <laughs> Some people will say, I thank God when I don't think of you because I don't want to think about you. And then I thank God for that because when I think about you, it's just like stuff comes into my mind. I don't want to think about that because then I can't thank God. No, actually, Paul says, every saint of you, every one of you saints, when I think of you, I thank God for you. Uh, maybe there are people that you don't find it so easy to thank God for. Partnership means that I'm thankful, even for those that, that rub me up the wrong way. Thank God for them, because those are the people that God has sent them, particularly because there's something in your life that He wants you to notice, and it won't be possible unless this person comes around and like, and does the very thing. I've learned that. Like, God, can you just help me to find the people that are comfortable to me? Because that really is where your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think so. Because it's comfortable around them. I love just being with them. It's just so good. <laughs> and it's so good for us to be challenged and to be stretched and to be taken beyond our comfort zones. Paul says, I, I thank God. So if partnerships mean that we are thankful for every person. And there are people in the, gospel, in the, in the church and in fellowship of the church that, that may not be so easy to fellowship with. But that's not a reason that we stay out of fellowship. So you get into fellowship and there's like, there's just one person. It's just one person. You're like, man, I don't know. And you go try, try to join another fellowship. And then that same kind of thing happens again. And you go try and find another fellowship. And it's like, boys, it's, it's not the people, it's you. So wherever you go, that thing in your heart, that little thing is going to manifest itself no matter what fellowship you're in. You've got to deal with the issue, not the fellows. <laughs> and so often it's, God, if only we just, no, no, deal with this. not. All right? Friendly letter. Remember? Friendly letter. All right? Verse 4. It says that we, we pray for one another, which we do. Hey, amen. Let me just read it to you. It says, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with, with joy. Sure. So it's not just praying. It's how we pray that is of value. I mean, just quickly go through the list and pray for them. But there's no joy in it. I don't really mean it. I just do it because, oh, I'm going to do it, you know. <laughs> At least I, when they ask me again on Sunday, did you pray for your brother? Yeah, yeah, I did. But I had a stinking attitude. <laughs> Paul's saying, pray with joy, not with sorrow. And again, partnership is that. That we look out and say, hey, who can I pray for? But you see, if you don't find yourself in fellowship, you won't know who they are. And who the people are, and, and who is in, around in the fellowship. And so you don't have names. Oh, I don't know. It's just like, what can I pray for in King City Church? Uh, uh, that guy on the stage, uh, Fessy, yeah, let me pray for him. Uh, who else? Uh, his wife, yeah. And the other elders, uh, that's the only people I know. Uh, yeah. uh, I met a guy at the tea, he served the tea because, uh, yeah, maybe that guy. Uh, but that's not fellowship. It's like, I'm trying to figure out who's around me, but I don't know. So more than I get into fellowship, 
true partnership is possible because then out of true partnership, prayer can come. Amen? All right, let's carry on. Um, partnership, by the way, has no expiry date. Did you know that? It's like one of these things that you buy and say, oh, date of expiry. Yes, Jesus. This one is gone. It's moved on. I don't have to anymore. No, actually, Paul was writing from prison 10 years after he had visited them in Acts 16. <clears throat> he's writing this letter from prison in Rome 10 years later. And he, and he says in verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now is 10 years later. So it's not like, praise the Lord, we went to Philippi, met Lydia, had a couple of converts. Thank God I don't have to go back to those guys anymore. Uh, it's a little bit messy. And, um, let me just write a letter. Love you. Miss you lots. Wish you were. No, I can't write that. Don't, don't wish they were here. Um, um, just, hey, thinking of you. No, it's, it's really seriously saying that even from the first day until now, I'm thinking of you with joy in my heart, praying for you. So this thing of we have partnerships at one stage in our lives. We move on and so thankful that I don't have to relate to those guys anymore. The body of Christ is a big thing. It's a universal thing. So I had the joy. There's, a, there's one of the guys that, that came up with the South African team on, on Thursday, um, Peter Thompson. I met him for the first time in 1992. And we went on, a, on our, my first time I went to Europe was in 1994, went to the Czech Republic then. So now 28 la years later, he's, he's here and he came, he came to visit. And I just think, yeah, there's great partnerships that we've built over the years with other people. And maybe they're in different churches now. Maybe they're elsewhere in the world. Maybe they're else in another church in town. But you still have a partnership with them that you can treasure and value. So our partnerships is not just King City Church. Keep it within the boundaries of King City Church and nobody else is allowed to really partner with me. That's rubbish. I was at an event yesterday and, and there's just people from different churches and it was just so wonderful to be able to say, yeah, we're different, but yet we're the same. I chatted to my friend Wayne Nell this morning and he just sent me a text and said, hey, we should have a coffee again. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we should, eh? And, and do something together and just chat. And I realized, hey, there's a great partnership that I, that I have through him with Revival Church here in town. And, and, and you have those partnerships throughout town. Recognize them, honor them, and, and build with them. We're going to build here, obviously, but we can also extend that wider. And so partnerships never have an expiry date. They don't come to an end. And if there is something in your heart towards another believer, sort it out. They may be in another family, but deal with it. Because it's not, you're not exempt from it because you're now in another church. I'm in King City Church now. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I'm going from that guy. <laughs> see him in the street. Praise the Lord, we only go to King City Church. I'm going to see you again, buddy. No, no, it's, it's an issue in your heart. You've got to deal with God's not going to say, don't worry, he's not in your church. You're exempt from forgiving him or dealing with that resentment in your heart. Now, partnerships, no expiry date. Verse 6, 
says the following. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He says, really, that partnerships mean that I want you to grow in your faith. I don't want to just get from you what I want, but I want you to grow. He says, I know this, that the good work that the Lord had started in, in your life, he will complete it. And actually in verse 9 he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound. Say with me, abound. So that means grow. Amen? Abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be, so, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So he's really saying, you know what, I want you guys to excel. So partnership means that. It means that I want to see you grow. I want to see you mature in God. And I, this, this whole fellowship thing is not what can I get from it. It's if you grow, hey, that's, that's a great delight to me. And if I don't see you around, I'm like, hey, what's happening to my friend? What's Again, if you're not in participation, you won't see if nobody's around. <laughs> Amen? And so when we phone you and say, how are you doing? It's because we, we enjoy fellowship with you. We don't, oh, your chair is empty this morning, so you weren't there. No, it's we have fellowship with one another, ladies and gentlemen. And that means your presence matters. Your absence is felt. Because your presence matters. When you're not around and in fellowship, it, we feel it. It's not just that, hey, tick the box and all present. Hey, uh, no, it's doing life together. It says in verse 7, it, it goes deeper, hey, listen to this. Verse 7 says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all. It says, I'm, no, I'm not making excuses about how I feel for you. And this is a feeling that he has. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Gee, that's deep stuff. Not just, I remember 10 years ago, we had a great time, we had a great meal, I remember, I remember, it was fun, it was fun. Can't remember your names, but I missed you lots. Thinking of you, have a great time. If we never see each other, we'll see you in heaven. Great. Bless you. Paul from Rome. By the way, I'm in prison. No. This is much deeper than that. He's saying, guys, I, I feel for you. I hold you in my heart. You are partakers with me. As you were in my imprisonment, you're thinking of me, and there's a lot of things that they did for him. But God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's saying, I'm deeply, deeply involved in your lives. I may not be able to see you. It has been 10 years, but I deeply long for you still. With the affection of Christ Jesus. I hold you in my heart. There's a beautiful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2. That if we can have it up there, quickly, I just want to show this to you. Where Paul again is writing to the church in Corinth this time. Hey? Again, believers, listen to what he says. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have not taken advantage of no one. But Paul is actually saying, listen, this is how we want to live our participation. By us making room in our hearts for one another. COVID has robbed us of making room in our hearts for people in our in, 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 at home. 
making room in our physical location. No, no, sorry, closed, you know, not, no visitors allowed. And what that has done to us, it has actually restricted us in our own little world. And slowly but surely we're getting out of it so that we can have people around again. But the most important thing is not to make room in your physical location, but in our hearts. That's what partnership is about. Where we say, I welcome you into my life. I don't know you that well, but I want to get to know you better. And so this is why we exist as the church of Jesus and churches across, is that we say, let's make room in our hearts for one another. When you go out and have coffee, don't just go to the people that you have allowed into your heart before, because it's easy. Eh? It's just so comfortable, because I know we're going to always talk about the same thing, perhaps, and whatever, whatever. It's easy to have those guys around. But have space in your heart for somebody that you have never met. How's that? So go home this morning with a new name in your mind that possibly can come into your heart. Just people that you pray for, care about, get to know their story. Don't just tell them your story. Get to know their story. Is that okay? So how do I challenge you this morning? Before you go home, try to find a name that you've never heard of before. And pray that the Lord will possibly make that name become someone that you pray for. And therefore, enter your heart in a godly way. Amen? So let's carry on. Partnership. That's what partnership is about. Verse 27, we hasten on um, throughout this first chapter, and then we're going to finish in chapter 4. And in verse 27, Paul says that um, we've we got to do stuff together when we are in partnership. We can't just sit around and look each other in the eye and say, you're in my heart, you're in my soul. Well, they had the song like that, isn't it? Um, and we can't just smile and have a cup of coffee and whatever, satsanyama and that stuff. We've got to do some stuff together. And that's why he's saying in verse 27, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I don't know whether I can be able to come and see you, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit. He's saying to them as a church, stand firm in one spirit. With one mind, say with me, one mind. It says striving side by side. Say with me, side by side. It's like not on your own. Uh-huh. So whoever wants to justify being a lone ranger in the body of Christ, sorry, this friendly letter is addressing that already. There's no space for doing, I'm on my own. I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got Jesus. I've got Father. I've got Holy Spirit. It's like four of us. I mean, that's, there's unity. There's, God will come on a blessing there. Amen? Where there's unity, there's a blessing, isn't it? No, no, no. It's unity between you and somebody that you need to make room for in your heart that God will come on a blessing. That means fellowship. That means people. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. It says, you know, we've got to strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. It says, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. We have opponents in life, and that's where the enemy comes in because he wants to oppose what God has called us to. Because this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. So when you stand side by side, and you connect with one another, and you come into fellowship, man, it's, it's a massive defensive and offensive act in the Spirit. Your opponents, they don't like that. But you can stand firm 
as it says here, side by side. Together we're better. We've often said that. And so your partnership with people enables you to come into God's protection on your own. You're a target. But together, we're stronger. So partnership means that I, I come in together with you and, and we do stuff in unity so that God's name will be glorified. It's a beautiful picture of what the church should look like. Established in the truth of the gospel, it says here in verse 27, and standing together in defending it. Second last one about partnership. We go to chapter four. I don't go to chapter five. There is no chapter five. Chapter four, it says the following in verse 10. And there's, there's many other things that we could have um, discussed in this moment. But chapter four and verse 10, Paul says the following. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Paul is not accusing them of not helping. He said, listen, I know that you were aware of my practical needs, my financial needs even. He says, you wanted to help me, but you could not. And so that's what partnership is, that we, that we consider each other and we, we look for opportunity to help. We don't just come into, hey, I can get something from this. But I'm in this for your benefit. And Paul is saying, thank you for considering me. You weren't able to always do something because you had no opportunity to do so, but you were mindful of me. And again, when people enter our hearts, when we come, hey, I think of my children almost every day. They're in my heart. You're not going to easily take them from my heart. And because of that, I pray for them. I phone them. I talk to them. I consider them. If there's a need, we'll jump. We don't know how we'll be able to always your children are your children. And therefore, in the body of Christ, actually, this is the family. Paul spoke, Paul spoke, and Jesus actually also spoke more about the family, the spiritual family, than the natural family. Isn't it? So hence, we need to make more room in our hearts for one another and consider each other. Lovely, friendly gospel, remember? <laughs> Then we go into this last one, which is so amazing because now we've discussed all sorts of heart issues, hey? Right? Now we go into verse 14, where Paul says partnership means a practical outworking, and it involves money. <laughs> it means that I start living generously. And she's not going because she doesn't like me to talk about money. She's just going to sort out the coffee and tea for you guys. Eh? So don't worry, don't worry. It's just, um, if anybody else wants to go, no, don't, no, keep them. No. Um, so he says this in verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. He's, talk, he's still talking to the church in Philippi. He says, and you Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Sure, eh? Paul had visited hobbers of churches. He really had. But the Philippians were the only ones that were prepared to sow into his life. So partnership to them, they understood. Hey, listen, we want to share lives, our lives with him, but we also want to share our resources with him. 
He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Because out of your giving, you'll be blessed more than what I am. He says, I have received full payment, verse 18, and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus. Say with me, Epaphroditus. Well done, well done. I'm going to say it quickly. Um, the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He didn't get any mum or stuff that, you know, it's like offering or fragrant stuff. It was a real genuine offering that they gave him. It smelled good to them spiritually, not just perfume or stuff. Verse 19 said, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. By the way, which is a verse quoted so often out of context. Oh, my God shall supply all my needs. Paul is saying this in the context of sacrificial giving. So don't go and just quote stuff that's not in, that then doesn't include sacrificial giving, generous giving. Let me show you, by the way, how this church also looked like in Second Corinthians chapter eight. We want to hasten there and and just look at how Paul describes these people. He's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, and he's describing to the church, the Christians in Corinth, something about the Philippian guys. He says, we want you to know, brothers, verse 1, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. All right? These guys, for in severe test of affliction, severe test of affliction, it says, their abundant joy was evident. So they were afflicted, yet they were full of joy. It says, and their extreme poverty. So they're afflicted in extreme poverty, but yet they have an abundance of joy. And that abundance of joy produces, the last part, generosity on their part. So everything that we can think about, perhaps sometimes related to Zimbabwe, severe affliction, extreme poverty, at the same time, abundance of joy and generosity of their heart. That's the church that he writes about in Philippi. Here he quotes them again. It says, look at who they are. Listen to it further. It says in verse 3, For they gave according to their means. Mm -mm, not only. As I can testify. And beyond their means. Not just, oh, okay, we'll afford or can afford this. Beyond their means, he gave, they gave of their own accord. Next verse. It says, begging us. Say with me, begging. Begging us earnestly. For the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. How's that? It's like, I want to be part of making a difference. Please give me an opportunity. What we live with these days is, please don't ask me. Please don't ask. And that's the, it's almost like a burden upon pastors. That often goes into the extreme where it's not, we never ask, don't, we never talk about money, so we only talk about money. Uh-huh. So we're now going to find this pendulum. Woo, woo, woo. Come to the middle. Where we do talk about money, but in a context of, man, I, I want to honor my king through this. I want to be part of what God is doing. I want to be part of the relief. I want to be part of the building. I want to be part of the work of God. What a joy. And this is why they could do this. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, 
verse 5. It says, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. How's that? They gave themselves to the Lord. You don't have it up there yet. It's in your Bible. You've got a Bible. It's there. Verse 5. They gave themselves to the Lord. That's the key for partnership through generosity. Where we first give ourselves to the Lord. Where we've surrendered our, our will and ourselves to Him. And we say, God, whatever I have is yours. But you see, if money is such a big thing in our lives and, and we've not given ourselves to the Lord, then money becomes a difficult thing to consider. And like we hold on to this stuff. And we're like, I don't know whether I can be part of this. And, and Jesus said there's a rival God in our lives. And it's not sport. It's not food, first of all. It's not leisure. He says the rival God in our lives is money. It says in Luke 16, it says it very clearly that, that no servant can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It says the rival God in our lives is money. Where we actually worship that instead of Him. And so when we want to partner in the gospel, one of the big things that we need to overcome is the love of money. And by the way, we've taken up the offering, you know. We're not going to force you into another one now. Manipulate you. We're going to just talk about these things. Because we're in a gospel. We're in a pursuit of seeing people change in the city and beyond. We're going to make a difference. We, we, we call on to reach into the rural areas of this nation to make a difference. And in a month's time, we want to have um, about 20 pastors come again for a week where we want to minister to them and encourage them because they're finding it very tough out there. We've got to do stuff. We've got to, we've got to do stuff in this building. There are many things that we've got to do here. We've got to buy chairs. We, we've got to do things because the Lord has called us to reach this city. And that's partnering so that you can be effective in what God has called you at your workplace. We're going to equip you. You're not partnering by just coming to a meeting on a Sunday. You're partnering when you go to work and you share the gospel with the people there through the way that you live, through the way you do the books, through the way that you sweep the floors, through the way that you teach the children, through the way that you fix the cars. That's your ministry. You're not, that's good stuff happening there. Amen? It's not less important than the pastor you're on a Sunday. Amen? So we've got to equip you to do that. And that often takes resources. We've got to do things. And we've got to partner together to make that happen. And then, hey, we're not begging for money. We're just casting vision. Saying, that's why we're here. That's what we've got to do. We've got to make a difference. We, we've for long spoken about taking people from this church beyond this nation. And Brown mentioned it. Hey, what about taking people down south? Not to go to pick and pay and go do shopping. Really, seriously, there's more things to do. These guys need you. Bring something that Zimbabweans have, take it to the nations. Two years ago, we were also on our way to the Czech Republic with about 12 people from here. And suddenly everything was halted. Now, I'm going back in about eight weeks to visit the Czech Republic to hopefully open a way again for us to bring a team again and try to bring a team and, and take people there so that we can... Go and invest. That's gospel stuff. We're partnering with people from across the world. 
Because God has called us not just to Jerusalem, but to further and beyond Jerusalem. Somebody once said, I've come to realize that we are not mature disciples if we have not embraced the reality that materially we are stewards instead of owners. Materially, not just financially, everything we have. Our money, our resources. Actually, we're just stewards. We're not owners. <laughs> everything that you have, my friend, you're called on to steward it well so that God's name will be glorified. That's your money. That's your other resources that you have. That's why when we have teams coming in here, we want to host them in our homes because our home is a stewarding item. It's not an owning thing that I own and I can decide what I want to do with my car. That's a steward moment. We're going to steward it well because we have fully committed our lives to Christ. That's what it says there in 2 Corinthians. Remember? They first gave themselves to the Lord. So my challenge to you from the friendly letter and a little bit from Corinthians is where's your heart? Are you able to participate in the gospel? Are you a partner of the gospel? And it happens through all of these practical things that, that Paul spoke about, the heart issue, but it also involves our generosity. It involves things like regular giving. And it's crucial that we look at the scriptures and not just hear from people up here and say, yeah, you've got to give your money. Go and search. Some people search and they say, oh, well, tithing and offering and that is not in the New Testament. It's only in the Old Testament. And yeah, we don't have it. But it's not clearly just taken out. And Jesus said, don't ever give tithes again. Actually, the New Testament is going beyond just a tithe. <laughs> I've had the privilege, and this is no you know, um, arrogance or, or trying to present. We just... I just learned the principle 36 years ago that tithing is part of how I want to live my life. And I want to, and I keep on trusting the Lord to go beyond just that. But you know, every single cent that we get in, we immediately are tithes. Lord God, I tithe towards you. And it's not in, under the law. And if I don't, then ooh, I open the way for the enemy to come in to rob and steal under that cursed stuff. No, Jesus, we've given ourselves to you. Therefore, our, our funds and what we get from you because of Working or whatever else is a great gift. We give back to you. Whether you start with a tithe or a part of it, that's something. But, but give to the Lord. Not because you know, people are forcing you to do that. Under grace, Jesus does not enforce it. He only desires that you see him as the owner of the heavens and the earth and wants you to, to give or tithe voluntary and, and act out of love mixed with faith. Not out of compulsion and fear. Oh, if you don't, then this will happen. I, I, I just want to say, I don't have enough faith to stop tithing. Because there's not enough evidence in the New Testament to show me that the tithe does not belong to God anymore. I don't have enough faith for that. And I'm not doing it out of fear. I still believe that tithe belongs to God. Like His glory, worship, and many other things. And that's why I give it on everything that comes into our home. And this has to do with me loving and honoring Him who is worthy of all praise and all that I have. It has nothing to do with blessing or curse or trying to sway God and 
but a deep conviction of love and a deep personal conviction that 10% of all I earn and beyond, generously as the Philippian church did, but it belongs to him. It should be easy to bring the tithe to where you are fed spiritually because we are partnering with each other. Okay? You're glad that this is not a series. It's just an in-between one, eh? We're going to talk about Jesus. Friendly letter stuff. Friendly letter stuff. Last thing I want to say, and you know, time has gone a bit. Watch, again, silent partnership. This whole silent partnership stuff that, you know, I can make a contribution, but that's my only contribution. It's a financial contribution. I've spoken to you firstly about the other contributions. I didn't start up with financial stuff. Financial stuff comes out of that. I've given myself to the Lord. I'm in partnership. You're important to me. I've made room in my heart for you. But you know what? I've also made room in my wallet for what is right before God. And so silent partnering says, well, I can just do it from a distance even. Or I can come here and I can drop in the basket and, and hey, that's my partnering. But we don't know you. You don't know us. And we just carry on living like that. So we've got to challenge one another from Scripture, not from compulsion, not from fear of, oh, are we going to manage next month? No, from Scripture. We say, hey, gospel partnership means my life. My life. I've firstly given myself to the Lord. I give myself into a context where I can add value and receive value. But this is partnership. Amen? So I want to ask you, are you partnering or are you just observing? Or are you just watching from a distance? You're the only one that can answer that. And I'm not going to ask you to answer me. I'm going to ask you to answer the Lord. And you're accountable before Him with your answer. Wherever you are in this whole partnership stuff, all the things that we've spoken about regarding partnership. Go read Philippians. It's throughout. That's a beautiful, beautiful book. And I'll challenge us. Friendly letter. Challenging. Very challenging. And so this morning, Father, I pray. Thank you for the time that I could have had to share with your people. Lord Jesus, I, um, I thank you that you're building your church. And, and nothing will stop it. I do want to pray, Lord God, that you will build in our context the church that you want to build. A church where, where we have people that are partners. And it's actually easy to become a member. <laughs> we just go through starting point and we attend certain things and we, hey, 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 I'm a, I'm a member now. But, but I see that the scripture talks about kononia, which means that I, I come into fellowship. I come into participatory um, mode with others. And I make room in my heart for them, in my heart. And, and I share my life and I, and I get to know them and I, I get to pray with them with joy. And, and I'm happy when they grow and I, 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 I'm happy to be amongst people that I perhaps don't even like. That's partnership, Jesus. And I'm actually happy to open my wallet and give because we're partnering in the gospel for what God wants to do through us and in us, but also through us in this nation and beyond. Father, I thank you that you will help us as men and women, young and old, to be partners, Lord Jesus, with you and with one another. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.